pickaxe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello, you are listening to the podcast version of this week's One Life Left radio show. I'm Simon Byron. I am Steve Curran. Hello, Steve. Uh, we've just finished uh, first first episode back. Slow going. I things shouldn't happen that we should have to acknowledge, should they? Mm. I don't think I don't feel qualified enough to deal with the stuff, some of the content that we've had to address. Mm. Me, uh, me neither. I was. Podcast. Yeah, out of my depth there, thoroughly out of my depth. So I think we got through it, though. That was okay. You did did that. Explains a slow start. Explains Mm. a slow start, I think. It did. And also explaining a slow start is we haven't done it for two months or whatever it's been. And uh, I genuinely, after the news, I was like, what do we do now? What is the bit that goes, what do I say now? But I just muscle memory took over. Uh, So... Yeah, it was good, and I enjoyed it. I, I always enjoy it. Um, so, yes. Sorry to cut you off at the end there. I, do you know what I was considering? I was mm. considering having the review section extended for the podcast version only. And then I thought, as I was thinking that, I thought, I'm editing the show this week. And it's going <laughs> to be a bit of a ball ache. Uh, yeah, so, therefore, we do didn't that. do it. No, definitely, uh, definitely keep it simple. Just to just to uh, round up on some of the reviews that I skipped, I played Curse to Golf. Um, oh, and, I played and, that as well. Like that was another one that I was going to talk about. Um, well, well, you would know, of course, <laughs> creeping around my Steam account. <laughs> oh yeah, I just chanced upon this thing called Curse to Golf. Don't know where I heard it from. Someone I knew was playing it. Uh, it's either you or Guy Cockersty. I tell you that. It's um, <laughs> see, then this is true. Um, uh, you mentioned um, that uh, you didn't get on with Backpack Hero. Uh, I felt I felt the same about Curse to Golf, mm. and I um, and everybody seems to like that. But what annoyed me about it was you set the power first and then the aim, and, and that's so backwards to me. Yeah, I a pro know, golfer, but I liked that. Like I, I, I also sort of. I can't remember why I dropped out of it, but it says 0.2 hours on Steam, so there was there was some issue that annoyed me. And That's I think because the tutorial is long and yeah, hard. It may have been that. Um, I can't remember. Anyway, but I actually thought that was the interesting thing about it, that it kind of reversed golf's... I agree that it's much less like golf, but it's a 2D pixel art game set in a you know, weird hellish dimension, so I, I think that's okay. It turns it into more of a puzzle thing, right? Because you set your power and then you have to deal with your power. Like, a, as in, okay, where am I going to place this that deals with that? I, th- I thought that was all right. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Uh, I've just started. Um, I just started. So the thing I was going to talk about as well, about um, me moving to it, I, I picked up my Switch for the, okay. to, to play on my own uh, for the first time this morning. I started Splatoon 3 and boy, it's good to be back. After you get used to the difference in the size of the controllers, moving from a Steam Deck back to a Switch is very, very strange. Hmm. I thought I would, I thought I'd grown. I felt like Gulliver um, all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, been having a lot of fun with that today. So uh, yeah, good. Yeah, there's um, a few others that I, I will sort of um, round up. Like and or talk about on the show in more detail, but I played played Rollerdrome very very briefly. Thought it was absolutely beautiful and probably not for me. I'd like to go back to it though because they're brilliant. Um, I played a game called uh, I played a game called Phonotopia Awakening. Have you heard of that? No, that sounds like somebody trying to bag a URL. Absolutely appalling name, but the game itself is a kind of Metroidvania and looked really competent, like really nicely put together, kind of standard 
swordy dungeons save the princess type feel what do you call that kind of old school like dungeons and Dra- not dungeons and dragons but like swords and sorcery i guess felt like that but it would i you know i thought it was quite charming but the name was annoying i might go it, and also it's on the switch and i felt like that was a good switch game and i played an awful lot of uh noita still and power wash simulator those were our summers. I launched a video game as well, which, Steve, uh, I will tell you that as we're talking, mm. uh, I think it will tick over having sold 250,000 copies. That is amazing. And I saw you talking about the concurrence as well, the current, current players the other day, yeah. which was something ridiculous. We've, had, we've hit over uh, uh, 11,000 concurrence at times. It's been a huge hit. When I went to yours for the footy, uh, you were excited then. Because and the the, the concurrence just was it. Yep. yeah just yep. launched it. I think just the concurrence was doing well then at like two thousand or something like that. Uh, and yeah, that's phenomenal. Yeah, so played up. Uh, it's doing very well. Thank you to everybody who's been playing it and streaming it. Uh, lots more to come on that. Uh, and I didn't marry John Robbins during the summer, uh, Steve, <laughs> which which was one of my objectives. It was also one of my wife's, uh, and neither of us did it. So well, my objective was to buy a house. So both of us are failures. Hooray! Well, it's good to be back. It is. <laughs> to be Some reminded of that. Some things are life you can depend on. Yeah. Uh, and uh, two failures presenting um, a radio show that really should have ended a while ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's something you could hopefully count on for a while to come. Right, we should crack on with it. Uh, this intro's a bit odd because we've come off the back of the Duna show uh, where we ran out of time. Uh, yeah. If you've not heard us for ages, this is going to seem very strange. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's now slow the pace right back down <laughs> and deal with <laughs> deal with the world's events. Uh, here's the show. Good evening and welcome to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. We're a video game radio show and my name is Steve Curran. Hello, Steve. I'm Simon Byron. How are you doing, Simon? I'm doing okay, Steve. Thank you. It's been a while since we've done this, isn't it? It's been so long that I've kind of forgotten how to do everything. I mean, literally, I had to reinstall Audacity. We're not doing it with an audience this week. We'll bring them back next week. Um, so, yeah, it feels it feels very odd, but it's good to see you again, literally, on our Zoom feed. Yeah, well, um, enjoy this face for under 40 minutes because uh, <laughs> we're still using a free account. Uh, before we crack on, we should obviously uh, acknowledge the, the recent news. Um, we're going to... Uh, obviously, everybody's been affected by um, the events in the UK recently, um, and uh, we're going to uh, acknowledge those, uh, but try and have a normal show, aren't we? Mm, that's right. Well, as normal as we ever get, which if you've been listening to us for the last 16 years, well, there's a kind of normality to our incompetence, isn't there? It's the one thing you can rely on. Um, <laughs> apart from apart from recent events, Steve, how was your summer? It was good, I think, Simon. It was. It was. Uh, it's been too hot, of course. Uh, I, I mean, in in a way, it feels like recapping last two months isn't is just talking about the weather, isn't it? Uh, how frustrating it was that we got summer, and if we hadn't had summer, it would have been frustrating that we didn't have summer. We moan about not having the heat, and then we get it, and England and the rest of the United Kingdom is ill-equipped. Uh, to cope with it so it was quite it was quite lucky that we weren't doing the show during those 40 degree uh days i i mean i i would have had to have done them naked mm. um not because of the heat because <laughs> <laughs> you really have to lean into it yeah it was uh but other than that it's been you know it's been a pleasant summer i've been you know did you get away did you get away anywhere no no i didn't but i am going to uh, Croatia in, in one week so actually we've got two shows back and then Simon unless you're going to do One Life Left on your own 
uh, we'll have to have a little holiday. Yeah, I think that's unlikely. Uh, I have tried it before. It hasn't gone particularly well, but uh, we shall see. Yeah, I'm sorry I can't come to Croatia with you. Mm. Mm. Yes, uh, you will be missed, but I'll have a nice time and I'm sure I'll have a lot of talk, a lot of things to talk about when I return uh, at the start of October. Uh, I'm really, really excited about that. And I'm excited about the show as well. Uh, I assume we've got a bulging mailbag to read out, so we'll be doing that in about... 25 minutes. Uh, we've got the news section coming up. I've looked and found a few news stories. You know, start the new... Uh, well, I don't know if it's a new season or not, but this new streak of shows off. As you oh, mean to go on. Right, right. We're back here again, aren't we? Steve makes an effort for the first couple of weeks. <laughs> the new term at school. He's got a fresh blazer. He's it's going to be different this case. time. Yeah. It's going to be different, yeah. Um, though I've, I've found some new stories. Um and I've played so many games, Simon. So many games over the summer. Good. Well, I look forward to hearing about it then. Shall we crack on with it? Let's get on with it. This is the news. Okay, Simon, I, I mean, I've done my homework, but I've only found three stories, so uh, I assume you've done more homework. I've done five homework. All right, you start. Uh, let's start with uh, our old favourite, videogameschronicle.com. Retro Games Specialist Night Dive Studios has explained the difference between video game remakes and remasters according to its own definition. Night Dive, which has created a large number of re-releases, including Turok, Doom 64, Blade Runner and Shadow Man, told VGC in a recent interview that has come up with an internal definition for what defines a true master as opposed to a ground-up remake. Uh, it's really tough, isn't it? We've tried to come up with definition internally. CEO Stephen Kick told VGC, based on the work that we've done in the past, we've done a little bit of everything at this point. We've done what we like to call enhanced editions, where you're basically taking the original game, making it run on newer operating system, and then adding some nice quality of life stuff, like widescreen support. Then we've got games like Shadow Man, where we can, which we consider a true remaster. We did all that quality of life stuff and got it running smoothly at 60 FPS. But then we did all on top of that new textures, new models, and even went so far as to work with the original developers to implement stuff that got left on the cutting room floor. Finally, we've got System Shop, which is a ground up remake. It's all brand new, but it's still based on the original game and is as true to that as we can possibly keep it. Despite the frequent debates on forums and social media of what defines a remaster versus remake, Night Dive's kick told VGC he does believe the public is starting to appreciate the amount of work required to create either. I think that over time there's been a lot more appreciation from the public for the work that goes into it. Our philosophy is that if you play one of our games, that's the game you remembered playing, but not necessarily the game you actually played. There you go, Steve. They talk about um, reminiscing through rose-tinted glasses. What, uh, what Night Dive is saying here is that it isn't how you remember it. <laughs> I, I think that's actually that final quote is really, really good philosophy because I know that we've talked about this on the show before. We've talked about everything on the show before by now. Uh, but we can all remember, can't we, going back to games and playing them and them not being as good uh, as, as, as we'd imagined. And that's the trick, I think, if you can remake or remaster, uh, we'll, I'll come to that in a second, uh, a game and somehow capture that feeling uh, then that's a a more potent experience for modern day gaming climate now of course you run the risk of well on a very basic level screwing it up because everything is subjective and the changes that you may make for quality of life improvements may really annoy people who didn't want those quality of life improvements and just wanted the old thing um and uh yeah and and b <laughs> Uh, I can't remember what B is. I think I basically wrapped up A and B into <laughs> one point there. A, you could screw it up. B, you'll offend your audience. Uh, he um, he gives an example. This in the instance of Turok and some of the older N64 games, if you play our remaster, you're going, oh my God, this is exactly how I remember it. 
except it's running at 4K in 60 frames a second. We fixed all the bugs and made it the experience that we remember. Mm. Mm. So for me, a remaster is, and I'm not sure, I, I sort of got lost in their definitions, but a remaster is taking those old assets and just making sure the game runs on modern platforms and scales up to modern resolutions and, and is just generally compatible with systems today. You are making the old material work and a remake is retaining the philosophy. Is that Was that what they were saying? Yes, I believe so. Okay. Um, what's interesting, Steve, is that I spent all summer playing a remastered version of a game that's only four years old. How can that be? <laughs> How can that be? <laughs> Oh my goodness. Are you going to talk about that in the review section? Yeah. Okay, good. Look forward to that. All right, I've got a news story for you, Simon. Are you ready? Fire away. Valve has launched an official Steam Deck repair centre. That's according to Justin Carter, who's contributing editor at GameDeveloper.com. Steam Deck owners previously had to fix whatever issues they had with their handheld themselves. Valve's official repair centre now eases the burden for those who want experienced fixers. So that's good news, isn't it, Simon? Great news. Well done, Valve. That's excellent. Or Or does it imply shoddy build quality? I don't know. You've got a Steam Deck, you tell me. No, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with my Steam Deck. Thanks very much. <laughs> uh, and thank you, Gabe. Um, no, but for me, I'm pleased about this because it implies that when the battery uh, starts degrading, mm-hmm. you'll be able to pop another one in there. We'll send it off. They'll pop one in there for you. I'm hoping that they'll be able to get, uh, that, that, uh, they'll be able to put in batteries with higher capacities at some point. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, very happy with this. Are you still getting on with your Steam Deck? I've played it all summer. The only, time, the only time I've touched um, another gaming console... Uh, actually, I was about to tell you a lie. Um, I was going to say it was this morning, but no, we played Mario Kart. Uh, we had a few games of Mario Kart over the summer, uh, but the only time that I, on my own, have played uh, anything not on the Steam Deck was this morning. Um, I still fancy one. Not quite enough to join. Oh, I fancy mine. <laughs> no, I do. I'm but- in love with mine. Well, obviously, I was secretly waiting for you to get bored of it, and that's not going to happen now, um, or at least not imminently. Do you know, what is the queue? What is the uh, wait time on one of these things? Because it says here, at the end of this article, the repair centres come at the perfect time for the Steam Deck, as Valve has repeatedly stated over the summer that production on the system has continually ramped up. Release windows keep shifting. It recently even expanded sales of the device to include East Asia. So it sounds like it's much easier to get hold of one, but I don't know what the delay on that is. Yeah, I think uh, if you ordered one now, you should get it before Christmas. That's pretty good. That's pretty pretty good, isn't it? Happy Christmas, young Steve. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, But yeah, pleased to to hear you're still into yours. News story three. VideoGamesChronicle.com, Chris Scullion wrote, UK players who choose to boot their Xbox consoles in energy saver mode can save nearly £60 per year, it's been calculated. The Verge notes that if an Xbox Series X console is set to instant on mode, which keeps the console in a suspended state and boots up extremely quickly when it's turned on, it uses up 13 watts of energy. If the console is set to energy saver mode, however, it will instead use up 0.5 watts of energy. Based on the UK's upcoming price caps of 52 pence per kilowatt hour, that means the cost of leaving an Xbox Series X on standby will be around 59.16, sorry, 59 pounds, 16 pence per year when set to instant on mode compared to two pounds 40 per year when set to energy saver mode. The initial calculation was provided on Twitter by UK technology editor Alex Hearn, who stated that the Series X on standby set to instant on will cost £132 per year. However, this calculation appeared to be based on the console's energy usage at launch, which was improved a few weeks later with a firmware update. Uh, so yeah, um, as we know, there was lots to talk about over the summer, the, um, the cost of living crisis, uh, which, um, seemed to grow worse every day, um, did affect the games industry. Uh, and I thought that was pretty interesting actually. So that was just the specific Xbox series X. Um, I think the other consoles were, um, 
lower, but um, I, I thought it would be tagged to the bottom of that story. It's not. I seem to recall, though, that uh, the PlayStation um, uh, was, was super cheap just to leave in standby. Hmm. That's, that is really interesting. I mean, I suppose this serves as basically a PSA for anyone listening. Make sure you check your settings uh, because it's a significant amount of money that you could save by uh, just switching a, a little option on there. I don't have an Xbox, so this... Oh, you saved yourself even nice. more. <laughs> yeah. I'm making money. I could spend that money on an Xbox, couldn't I? <laughs> could be. Yeah. Um, but well done, Alex Turn, for sussing that out and alerting people to it. Have you been worried generally about your uh, gaming ga- <laughs> gaming habits and uh, energy usage? We got a smart meter um, the end of last year and... Uh, they say, you know, try not to look at it when actually you just <laughs> stare at it. I think I watched it more than the television for the first yeah. uh, few weeks. Um, and it was terrifying. It really was terrifying. And this was even before the two hikes um, that have uh, come between it. Uh, through the process of elimination, I did work out a few things in the house that were just leaking money. Mm. Um, and I have to say, it's extraordinary how your mindset shifts when now I am happy if we are spending £7 a day wow. um, on gas and electricity. And, you know, this is in the summer. Uh, that's £210 a month. That's not, mm. you know, that's not what we're, it's not what, it's not what we're supposed to be paying. Um, and then, yeah, it, we're, we're wait to hear the details of uh, how the uh, the government is going to tackle and then pay for the um the hikes that are coming down the line but still yeah no absolutely i've been i've been more cautious i've even been thinking about things like uh like uh taking your toothbrush off charge uh you know not, not leaving it on there constantly someone few- told me that and this is i mean if you're looking for slivers of positives in the horrendous news that's dominated 2022 maybe the maybe the the small positive from the cost of living crisis is that people are being a little more energy conscious uh, thinking about things like that right normally you'd just be like oh well what's it going to cost me really to stick my toothbrush on on charge all the time and now it's like well maybe it is someone told me that even a charger uh, that is just plugged into the socket and is not attached to anything is actually draining electricity at a very low rate unless you switch that socket off yeah i i was told when we had the work done on the house that that um if you uh, have the plug sockets that also have usb sockets in them mm. those usb sockets are all, also always drawing power whether there's anything oh, really take a hammer to them simon I, I will mean, do. That, obviously, don't do that, or at least make sure it's a rubber hammer. I'm sure that would be fine. Don't hammer anything. Like as advice, don't ever hammer an electricity socket. Okay. Don't do that. Okay. All right. Glad we've clarified that. Um, whose whose turn is it? Is it my turn? Your turn. All right. Here we go. This is from Eurogamer.net. Uh, Vicky Blake writes: Stalker Two Dev insists that the game has not been delayed again despite Xbox pre-order refunds. Then goes on to explain what's going on in the subheader. Microsoft refunds pre-orders for the games with no exact release date, the studio says. Uh, Heart of Chornobyl developer GSC Game World has refuted claims its game has been further delayed after the Xbox, uh, after Microsoft began issuing refunds for pre-orders. Earlier this week, those who pre-ordered Stalker 2 began receiving messages informing that the orders had been cancelled due to the fact that the release date had been pushed back to an unconfirmed date in the future. What do you think about this, Simon? Yeah, I mean, it obviously has been delayed. Uh, (laughs) That is Microsoft's policy, I believe. Um, That, um, yeah, that if if you pre-order something with a specific date and that date then gets moved... I believe it's a lot of work for them. They'll be they'll be quite grumpy about this. Mm. Um, the thing it says further down the article is this. And this is a quote from a spokesperson at GSC. 
We had to postpone the game to 2023 with no exact release date for now. We made the announcement at E3 alongside the Dev Diary and Intro cutscene, right? Fair enough. Except for, if you have had to postpone it to 2023 with no exact release date, how would we know if it's been delayed again? <laughs> um, who the heck would pre-order that then? What, I mean, what's, <laughs> what's the advantage of it? Well, you've got to show your loyalty, Simon. Put your... I guess so. <laughs> Actually, your wait, isn't thing. this what we what we were talking about a couple of weeks ago? Well, oh, a no, couple of uh, shows ago. About a price discount, potentially, but mm. you've still got ages to take advantage <laughs> of that, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but you know what it's like. You think you've got ages and then suddenly it's an unknown date in 2023 <laughs> that you've missed and you've missed your opportunity. So I suppose so. Well do it now. Also, who knows what's going to happen with inflation? Like, buy it now for... 40 quid or whatever it is, next year could cost 400. That's very true. Mm. Um, and yeah, you know, you are right. If it doesn't have a, a um, release date, it could come out at any time. <laughs> <laughs> As it was always planned to. Yeah, it was always planned to happen tomorrow. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe that's what they mean. It's not been postponed. It's been whatever the opposite of that is. <laughs> exactly. Preponed. <laughs> Uh, right, there's, there's been a lot of Disney news this week. Um, there was a big Disney event. Uh, did you see that Mike Bithell, um revealed he's working on a Tron game? Tron. 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 Um, so uh, that's exciting. But this uh, this story isn't about that. It is uh, about Amy Hennig. Uh, and her new title. Um, Uncharted 1 to 3 director Amy Hennig's company Skydance New Media has officially unveiled its Marvel game, which stars both Captain America and Black Panther. Officially revealed during a Disney Games showcase on Friday, a teaser trailer for the title, which does not yet have an official name, featured both Marvel heroes in a World War II setting. According to Skydance, the narrative-driven ensemble adventurer will have players controlling an ensemble of four characters, a young Steve Rogers, a.k.a. Captain America, um, Azuri T'Challa's grandfather and the WW2-era Black Panther, Gabriel Jones, a US soldier and member of the Howling Commandos, and Nanali, leader of the fledging Wakardan spy network. I'm going to pause this news story, Steve, and just ask, uh, you know, having just received though that information mm-hmm. about an ensemble Marvel hero game, um, action adventure from the director of Uncharted 1 to 3, can you tell me what you're looking forward to <laughs> from that game? Because I can tell you what they... There is a quote from them saying what you can look forward to Okay. I, I suspect this is a little bit at odds with uh, what you know general gamers would list as their as the first things they're looking for. Yeah. To. Also, I was thinking this is in a Venn diagram sweet spot of three things I could not care less about: <laughs> video, video games set in World War Two, Marvel uh, IP, and video games, uh, and Uncharted. Uh, unfortunately. So well, this so is not for me. Not for so you. Okay. I, um, yeah. Um, you know, if it's, uh, you've got the director of, you know, some of the most acclaimed action games ever mm. made. Uh, you've got a cast of um, Marvel's uh, hits, greatest hits mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, coming together. This quote, Steve, <laughs> it just sucks all the light. Like, so, okay. I've told you that. Brilliant. This is exciting. So, Players can look forward to intuitive controls and <laughs> exhilarating second-to-second gameplay that captures the action and excitement of Marvel. So, you know, survey the man on the street. Hey, have you heard there's a new uh, Marvel game coming out? Oh, I hope it's got intuitive controls. <laughs> it has, and it's got exhilarating second-to-second gameplay. Brilliant. I'm in. I'll pre-order it now. I, I get it. Like, that. it feels like... It feels like a a thing that might have been plucked from the wall of the office where the game was developed. That it's one of their key totems in development. That they don't want to produce a game that's for the masses, that people are going to struggle to learn, you know, all of the buttons and then all of the triggers and everything else uh, on the controller. They just want something that people can approach and hit and hit. And uh, Yeah, but it's not really the thing to get. I think, anyone excited I about. think they're sub-quoting another game. 
Do you think so? Oh, it must be. It must be. There must be a game that these people have either watched uh, being made or, or perhaps has come as part of the same family of companies that has been... I mean, I, like... Well, it's got to be Spider-Man then. Well, Surely. No, because, well, because Spider-Man does have intuitive control. Does it? Oh, 100% Steve. Well, I've played it now. I know you've played it now, Steve. I, you've, you've got to <laughs> defeating Kingpin. I was looking at your achievements earlier. <laughs> <laughs> exactly how far how much you've played spider-man steve <laughs> yeah so you, i don't know that i would describe those controls as intuitive i would describe them actually not to get into the review section here as slightly bewildering i think we're going to come back to this mm. uh, and i think they're talking about the avengers game ah okay right fine i haven't played that so okay. yeah and that was that had you know, unlike Spider-Man, which is beloved by everyone, including 50% of this radio show, <laughs> uh, uh, the uh, the Avengers game did have mixed reviews, didn't it? So there we go. Um, yeah, let's look out for some more sub-quotes in future. Uh, excellent. I had another news story. Where was it? I think it was on gamedeveloper.com. Uh Okay, here we go. Um, Scopely, have you heard of them? Who? Scopely. Uh, go on. Okay. Acquires Stumble Guys, okay, a competitive right. platformer that's definitely not for guys. Now, you will have heard of Stumble Guys, of course. Oh, I can't stop playing it, Steve. <laughs> uh, Stumble Guys, developed by uh, Finnish developer. Kit Car Games, who I believe uh, based in Kayani, uh, which is a place where we've done Marioki before. Really, really great dev community there. Um, they've been, uh, well, the platform, I don't know whether the dev itself, has been acquired by US publisher Scopely for an undisclosed fee. Uh, the Battle Royale Party game, which may or may not remind you of an other bumbling platformer called Four Guys has attracted more than 20 million daily players across iOS, Android and Windows PC. Scopely said the deal will ex- help expand its reach into new genres, demographics and markets while remaining true to its mobile first philosophy. Um, so have you, have you actually played Stumble Guys? Of course I haven't, no. No. Uh, but it's one of these examples of a game is very, very successful on a platform, Mediatonic's Four Guys, and but it doesn't exist on all platforms. Doesn't exist on PC, uh, and a uh, dev sees chance to make that, produces Stumble Guys, makes it free to play, and then it becomes a smash hit on uh, on PC because uh, PC players are starved of the original. Now I'm not huge. When you Four say, Guys fan. Uh, well, just I'm going to have to jump in here, Steve. Um, normally I've got your back at every Uh-oh. opportunity. Well, it's just you know that you're that you're saying PC, but you mean uh, mobile. I mean mobile. Sorry. I'm just going to acknowledge that now because there'll be people. Dan who Marshall, who's, who's stopped, <laughs> he's stopped running now. Stop. <laughs> Four Guys is on PC. Four Guys. Steve is not surely on means mobile. Simon, won't, won't won't you step in? Dan, I've got your back. Carry on running. You're doing great. But it wasn't also uh, at the time that Stumble Guys was published. Uh, it was free. Whereas Four Guys wasn't. Now, Four Guys has since gone free to play. Um, so, yeah, uh, a race to the bottom in the genre. Uh, everyone wins because Four Guys has now gone free as well. I couldn't tell you which of those games is better. I can tell you that it's another case of a publisher just acquiring something, a publisher that I've never heard of. Uh, <laughs> which is, uh, is bewildering as well. Well, I would imagine Scopely hasn't heard of us either. Well, Maybe we could just. We could, what's popular at the moment? Well, what I can tell you about Scopely is they have uh, spent big to expand in recent years. They bought Marvel Strike Force dev Foxnet Games, and maybe they were the ones who were being subtweeted Uh by Hennig. Uh, Scrabble Go creator Peerplay and mobile games company GSN Games. So they're clearly like uh, mobile game specialists. Um, And a good fit, I guess. Well, congratulations all round for... Um, it's known as a fast follow, isn't it, Steve? That sort of mm. game. Is that right? Uh, Is that politely known as a fast follow? Uh, yeah, apparently. That's from what all the, all the money people talk about, so... 
All right, Simon, have we got one more news story? Or oh, several, we've got time. We've got under 10 minutes, I'll tell you that. I've had the, <laughs> had the Zoom warning. Uh, lastly, then, I think, uh, something to watch out for. There's trouble brewing. Uh, again, videogameschronicle.com, Tom Ivan wrote, Sony Interactive Entertainment CEO Jim Ryan has called Microsoft's proposal for keeping Call of Duty on PlayStation consoles inadequate on many levels. Last week, Microsoft provided some clarification on its plans for the future of Call of Duty should its proposed acquisition of publisher Activision Blizzard get the go-ahead. In a statement to The Verge, Xbox boss Phil Spencer said that Microsoft had committed to making the series available on PlayStation for several more years after Sony's current marketing deal with Activision expires. During this period, Call of Duty games released for the uh, PlayStation would have feature and content parity, Spencer said. While the Xbox exec claimed the offer goes well beyond typical gaming industry agreements, Sony's Ryan told GamesIndustry.biz the company isn't satisfied with the proposal. I hadn't intended to comment on what I understood to be a private business discussion, but I feel the need to set the record straight because Phil Spencer brought this into the public forum, Ryan said. (laughs) Microsoft has only offered Call of Duty to remain on PlayStation for three years after the current agreement between Activision and Sony ends. After almost 20 years of Call of Duty on PlayStation, their proposal was inadequate on many levels and failed to take into account the impact of our gamers. We want to guarantee PlayStation gamers continue to have the highest quality Call of Duty experience and Microsoft's proposal undermines this principle. So there you go, Steve. Um, it's, you know, Microsoft is hoping to buy Activision. Um, you know, everybody plays nicely. Uh, they're often, uh, but there is trouble brewing here. You can see it. Mm, um, it's... I saw that they were... Uh... They're one of the people who are, are, are trying to get the merger, or one of the companies that are trying to get the merger not, or, or sorry, the acquisition, uh, trying to stop it going through, aren't they? Because they believe it will position Microsoft as a, a too dominant in the market. Are they review bombing it? <laughs> <laughs> to try and drag its Metacritic down? Um, That'd be one way of doing it. It would, it would work. Uh, but no, I, I think that... So you think this will go through? Do you think they'll... Do you think Microsoft will capture? I, I I honestly don't know. Um, I, I I just assume it will, because otherwise, um, it's going to look a bit embarrassing, isn't it? But uh, yeah, this was not the uh, not even the biggest acquisition story while we were away as well. Did did, um, did anything ever come of those rumours uh, that Amazon were going to buy EA? Nope. Nothing at all. Do you think that was, was an exciting half hour on the internet, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't, I don't want to refresh <laughs> on Amazon.com. Have they announced yet? Have they announced? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, nothing happened. Don't know what that was about. No, 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 no. Well, but they're, they're, they're generally isn't smoke without fire and these mm. things. So let's see. But um, yeah, that idea that it was going to be announced immediately. Yeah. If you, we, if took, you... we took the whole summer off and it didn't happen. Well, if you are listening to One Life Left and you hadn't previously heard that Amazon were going to acquire EA, then you literally heard it here first. (laughs) If it happens. Exactly. (laughs) Breaking news. All right, is that all the news, Simon? That's all the news, Steve. Thanks, Simon. One Life Left video game news with Anne Scantleberry. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. We're a video game radio show broadcasting on the greatest radio station in the world. You can listen to Resonance on 104.4 FM, as I said, inside London or on digital outside. It's also streams at www.resonancefm.com. We're also a podcast. You can download that at www.onelifeleft.com. And there you can read the show notes, which have been kindly put together by our under caretaker, Phil, thank you so much for doing that. There's also, right there, a link to the One Life Left Discord, where we've been chatting all summer and the things you have missed, honestly. What's been the ghosty? I mean, it's mostly been me frustrated at crossword puzzles and that kind of thing. Also, you know, ongoing, everyone who joins gets given a game to go away and review and few reviews in the review section um that kind of thing it's been a, it's been a lovely summer and of course uh, discord is where from next week we will be streaming recording of the show live so if you want to listen to one life left and be part of our kind of you know modern day zoo radio feel uh please join the discord at around 7 p.m on sunday next sunday and we will be there I think uh, the Discord might be the only place where we have any correspondence, Stee. Is that right? Yeah, we didn't tell anybody we were having a summer break. And to be honest with you, it came as a bit of a surprise to us. It did. Uh, so <laughs> there were things that we did say, see you next week and <laughs> that kind of thing. And then residents were like, no, nah, you won't. Uh, yeah, I haven't. I mean, I haven't checked the Discord either. Well, we had a couple of letters that came in during the summer break, uh, which we can address now because I don't think we had um, any letters yet. Apologies for leaving you all hanging there. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's not unusual for residents to close down and take a well-deserved break during August, but um, we weren't paying attention, were we? We're like, brilliant, we've just trialled this live platform. See you next (laughs) week, everybody. No, we won't. And then we suddenly turn up uh, five or six weeks later, suntanned. (laughs) Uh, yeah. should, we, should we deal with these letters? Um, yeah, you do the first one because I'm actually. Is it? Would it be the one on the 29th of July? Was that uh, after our break? I think it was after the break. So, which? Uh, so, shall I take? Uh, well, first of all, here's the letters. Second of all, who's starting? (laughs) Uh, Okay, I'm going to start with the last one then in that case, uh, so we're not confused. Uh, Kazula typed into Discord, Hello team and real SSG. I'm back from my holiday. I'd like to thank you for the gaming recommendations. I managed to revisit both Slay the Spire and Dicey Dungeons on the beach. I didn't get very far with Slay the Spire, but managed to complete Dicey Dungeons. I feel it had the right balance of push and pull to keep me engaged and make my wins feel like I had thought strategically about my build to win. Slay the Spire losses made me feel like my builds were too weak to progress and i felt in over my depth my question is what games get the push and pull of difficulty versus enjoyment right to make you feel like a genius love the show uh good question kazula the one i'm playing at the moment every day is the android version of the deck builder called dominion that has recently introduced a daily uh, challenge uh, with a pre-built um uh, kingdom uh, and you get one chance one chance to play the AI, and it's the hard AI normally, uh, and I'm managing to win about twice a week. Uh, thoroughly enjoying it, though. I absolutely recommend that. If you're a fan of uh, traditional deck builders, the Dominion Android or and iOS and Steam uh, app, it's free to, free to play. The expansions cost money. Uh, do check it out. I've been playing some roguelikes, some classic roguelikes as research for a game I'm working on, and I've been playing a game called Dungeon Crawl Stone Suit, which is a very, very classic nethack-ish or rogue-like rogue, and or rogue roguelike, roguelike, 
like Rogue. It's like Rogue, anyway. Um, and I find those classic sort of ASCII and very, very thin graphical skins games have some of that push and pull that I think Kazula's talking about there in that it is very, very easy to achieve the basic level of interaction, right? You join a dungeon and you kind of bump into another character until it drops dead, collect the gold, and then keep on doing that. And occasionally you level up. Most of that is automated, so you don't have to think about it or worry. Um, and you investigate, and then ultimately you meet an enemy that you bump into and you drop dead and you start again. But you've learned a little bit about the systems and that pulls you back in. And all of these games tend to have been built on in bits, you know, like, uh, you know, haphazard architecture built from this small core. And so there's so much to discover in them that this time you'll take a different route or a different character build. Um, I very rarely come close to completing any of them, but that mix of um, simple accessibility, or as Amy Henning might put it, intuitive controls and so much to discover is the push and pull, I think, uh, that really, really keeps me playing. Shall I read a next letter? Yes! Alright, good. I've got one here from Drew Merson on the Discord. Dear team and, brackets, non-existent, correct, SSG, with apologies for the unbecoming boastfulness. I recently completed my museum on Animal Crossing New Horizons. No time travel cheating, no gifts or donations from others. Every fish bug, fossil, and piece of art caught, found, or bought by me and me alone. Huzzah! Because the Switch is a gloriously trophy achievement-free zone, I was rewarded with nothing more than a brief grateful dialogue from Blathers and some in-game posters for my house. What are your favourite, proudest non-achievement achievements in video games? What feat have you put the most effort into for nothing more than its own reward? Toodlepip, Drew. Drew, that's a great question. I'm going to talk about that later. <laughs> well deferred. Well, I actually replied um, on the Discord uh, because clearly it just happened and I didn't want to leave Drew uh, with <laughs> waiting a month for a show uh, that I spent an hour power washing a fictional skate park and the payoff for doing any of those tasks is very, very minimal, let's say it's then. I mean, it is to an extent a metaphor figurative for all video games, right? A lot of the time you find yourself three quarters of the way through a task going, why am I doing this? What is it for? And of course, achievements are a relatively new invention in the history of video games. So everything before 2000-ish, you were doing just for the joy of doing things. And there's a lot of mammoth wastes of time there. But if the journey is enough, then the journey is enough. I'm still playing Power Wash Simulator. It is beautifully zen, I think. I enjoyed uh, Ian L's comment underneath uh, where he said, Charles spent so long power washing fictional locations yesterday that I now have my television back via the £59 purchase of a real one to do the patio with. 7 out of 10 would recommend. <laughs> I thought that was excellent. Yeah, I mean, it is a game that you can very much see the genesis written in someone getting a power washer going, this is fun and a bit like a video game. Hang on. Uh, yeah, it's a it's it's a brilliant piece of work, I think. Xevious uh, wrote, "Hello, team and invisible SSG." Finding myself bored of modern games, I've started to play through some that I missed out on or barely played the first time round. Games like Lego Star Wars: The Complete Saga, no longer a complete saga, and Canim Canis Edit. Uh, ironically, I found myself playing the original versions of games that have since been remastered, making me wonder who has time to play the same game over and over. Again, each time Sony decides to make a button a little shinier. The original PS3 version of The Last of Us is next on my list. Are there any games you've played in multiple versions where the originals were actually preferable? Thanks. We'll talk mm. about this later. Okay. <laughs> games you've played in multiple versions where the originals... Well, yeah. I mean, like, I've, I've definitely mentioned this a billion times, but Monkey Ball is absolutely best in its uh, GameCube form. Uh, not because it had... Stickers on the bananas advertising doll, uh, uh, which is not necessarily a great thing, but because the GameCube controller was built for that game, or, or at least the game was built for the GameCube controller, uh, it had those ridges around the analog stick, which meant you could lock into a forward roll, which you just can't do on any modern platform. Uh, so yeah, the PC version is is pretty great, but fortunately, it's still not quite as good as the GameCube version. 
And I would add uh, Zelda, Link to the... Sorry, Link's Awakening. Um, brilliant on the Game Boy, Game Boy, finished it. Terrible on the Switch, hated it. Mm. Um, and I think that was just purely down to the improvements of uh, modern games, uh, in inverted commas. Um, sorry, not the improvements of modern games, just the, the mental mindset of... Uh, gamers between now and then i.e uh, i didn't mind being so frustrated um on a game boy black and white but i really did mind the inconvenience of some of the original design uh, okay. as, a, as a modern player right so it, it i thought for a minute you thought it had uh, or you meant it had like some additions like kind of in that remake versus remaster thing that uh, conveniences which break the game design but actually what you're saying is you're you're the broken one i was the broken one yeah that was what i was trying to say and i did it in a broken manner so you know if that's not award-winning radio there i don't know what is <laughs> perfect thank you so much for your letters Zevius, uh, drew and kazula and for your comments ian as well uh, we will be reading all of your letters out on the show next week so please write into team at one life left dot com or if you want, just join in the conversation on the Discord. There is a mailbag channel right there where you can post your letters and get real-time feedback. Okay, we're back. This is One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. We're rapidly approaching the review section. Uh, this is the Any Other Business section. Simon, we should have some stuff for us to catch up on. Didn't do much since. I mean, obviously, yeah. I saw you as last time I saw you. We were at a football game. We were, weren't we? We were like football men. We were. Uh, I just found myself stood underneath a massive flag of a team I didn't support. <laughs> how did that That's happen? Right. I've never done that before. I've always wondered the technicalities of how they get these flags to <laughs> pass back. It turns out it's just people passing a flag back. That's it. That's what yeah. we did. Yeah, it was great. Really, really lovely. Thank you for your hospitality. I'm sorry we didn't get to record a radio show out there. We were on a summer holidays, weren't we? Yeah, well, one of the things you asked is, did you think that, uh, did I think that by September I'd have bought a house? And? I have not bought a house. Why not? Uh, just really annoying stuff to do are you, with. Are you, are you currently trying to buy the house still? We are trying to buy the house, but we are finding the seller reticent in providing information that is required for us to buy this house, particularly uh, during the cost of living crisis, where heating... And listen, new listeners to the show may not think this is relevant to video games, but really it's relevant to life. And so in that sense it is. Um, yeah, the house is on a district, district heating system, and that's not you know, under off-gem regulations and... Oh! Yeah. So they could charge Ooh. us whatever. And if they charge us whatever, how am I going to be able to afford to keep my new Xbox connected to the power supply at the, uh, you know, standby rate? So, I'm yeah, we don't know what we're doing. I would reverse out of that as quickly as possible. There we go. Actually, funnily enough, funnily enough, my partner asked me, said... Can you just ask all of the, the usual sort of people you ask about that, one of whom is is you? So uh, there we go. Good to know. You know that, that actually the council do let you disconnect from the district heating system. Guess how much they charge you to do that? Go on. No, I'm asking you to guess. Simon Byron's Fast One. How much does Southwark Council cost to dis disconnect from a district heating system? What, Their just taking a, taking a plug out? Yeah, a just a, a thousand pounds. Thirty-eight thousand five hundred. Shut up! <laughs> Who's got thirty-eight thousand five hundred of anything? Uh, yeah, That's what we so. should do. We should go around disconnecting people. <laughs> wow! I know. And then, how much does it cost to get somebody to put something in? I know, quite. That's <laughs> that is literally just the disconnection part wow. of this. I know. Right. So if you're listening to One Life Left and you have any uh, <laughs> any advice or <laughs> information about uh, about this sort of thing, please let us know. You can email us. Team at onelifeleft.com. Shall we do uh, the reviews? Let's crack on with the reviews. Right, as I said, Simon, I've played quite a lot, but it sounds like you've got a reasonable amount to talk about as well. 
Well, I only played, uh, up until this morning, I only played one game all summer, and that was Spider-Man Remastered on the oh, Steam okay. Deck. Um, well, I played it too. I, I, could, I could tell you that, because I've looked at your Steam achievements. So. <laughs> well, um, have you looked at my achievements? Uh, of course I haven't. Okay. I'm not well, weird. Well, if you did, Steve. Well, if you did. <laughs> uh, well, I have to keep my Steam account uh, quite tightly controlled, actually. So I'm not certain that you can see what I'm playing because I don't want other publishers to know what I'm playing uh, before they're out, you okay. see. So, um, but uh, I, I was particularly interested in the achievements for this because it turns out I've got achievements wrong or certainly I've been thinking about them wrong. Um, I, I So I finished Spider-Man on, on uh, PS4. I finished Sp- uh, uh, Miles Morales on PS5. Came out on PC. I really enjoyed it, right? It's a, it's a absolute mainstream, easy um, action game that is spectacular uh, in moments. That's <laughs> intuitive gameplay, moment to moment gameplay. Um, uh, yeah, so it's fantastic set pieces. Uh, it, it, it builds upon the sort of combat mechanics that the, the, uh, that the Arkham games. Um, debuted, uh, but but improves upon them in almost every way. The city itself, unlike the Gotham, uh, you know, every Batman game has gone, arch criminal goes, or everyone has to, all of the AI, all the computer generated characters have to leave, have to leave Gotham uh, at night. And you only ever see the city at night and it's empty. Whereas <laughs> um, Spider-Man's New York is, is bustling. It's full of unexpected surprises, rooftop surprises, taxis going about their business, all this sort of stuff. Uh, so it does feel like uh, Spider-Man's messing around in the city, playing around. Um, I, Steve, 100%ed it over the Wow. Season. So I did, I found all the backpacks, did all the landmarks, did all the thug crimes, the, um, the demon crimes. I did the uh, everything, 100%ed it. And what I thought I was doing was um, platinum it. Now, I've never platinumed anything mm. before. Um, but, and, and I certainly would never have platinum uh, Spider-Man if it wasn't for the Steam Deck. The opportunity just to turn it on, play mm-hmm. for two minutes, go and find a background, back, backpack, go and photograph um, the Avengers Tower or, you know, kick some thugs. Um, the other funny thing about uh, this version of Spider-Man uh, remastered for PC is that if you pre-ordered it, um, you start off with five skill points, uh, which means that you can upgrade your character a little faster. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, because I decided to hundred percent it, I didn't, I didn't advance the main story if there was any mopping up to be done. Mm. Uh, and so actually, by the time I got to the main story bits, I was, I was super hard Spider Man, and I found it <laughs> a real blast. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, th- I thought it was excellent. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, but hold on, hold on, hold on. You were mm. building towards something about Platinums here. Right, like... 100%ed it, and I was expecting this, da-da-da. Uh, I checked on Steam, and there are loads more achievements to get about having to be do s- yeah. silly silly stunts yeah. while you're, while you're fly- swinging and all the rest of it. And, not, and, you know, not, oh, you've just beaten the game, aren't you the best? I wanted a round of applause from Gabe. <laughs> Instead, I got a load of incomplete achievements. But that's how that's what achievements should be for. Like, achievements should not be for the stuff that you do. I almost swore then. I'm, I really am not used to radio. Uh, achievements shouldn't be for the stuff that you do during the game anyway, because you are going to do that. Achievements should be things that compel you to do different things. Yeah, like 100% it. Who gives an S about where the backpacks are? (laughs) But we don't need that for the game, but I I found them all. How did Peter Parker get so many backpacks, Steve? Um, Very weird. You just leave them around the city. I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) it was excellent. I had such a great time, and then it annoyed me at the end uh, because I didn't get a round of applause. 7 out of 10. Okay, so I'll move on to... I mean, I, I played it. It was fine. Uh, I probably won't go back to it. 7 out of 10. I, I'm i not sure I agree with you about intuitive controls. Like, I thought... It's, something quite funny happened, actually. When I started up for the first time and loaded it up, I was like, oh, this is very moody intro. It was all dark. The screen was all dark. And I, I was like, I guess Peter Parker is waking up and then it was kind of all weird trails across the screen almost like um you know like a fancy movie intro where so or so, where some artist has just discovered a fancy shader and they're using it and i hadn't even seen spider-man i'd just seen these shadows moving and this went on for three minutes at which point i was like 
this doesn't feel like a mainstream brawler game. Turns out I needed to update my graphics card drivers. <laughs> so I did that and, and played it. And yeah, it onboards you. Its onboarding is fine. But I quickly found myself overwhelmed in combat trying to go, oh, I've got to do this and then this and oh, that thing does that and oh you can web up enemies like this and i wonder whether the reason you found it more intuitive than i did is because you've played a lot of these third person brawlers before you've played as batman and so that kind of mechanic is uh, natural to you to me it's not at all yeah i i started uh, sleeping dogs a game i've wanted to play um for a, a while um and yeah i mean all of those games are like this Mm. Um, and so, uh, and then Spider-Man came out and I was like, oh, I could carry on playing Sleeping Dogs, but I could mm. just really enjoy Spider-Man again anyway. I'm sorry you didn't get on with it as well as, I, well as I did. It's fine. I think I could do. I think if I committed another, you know, hour to it, I'd fall for it like you and I'd be doing the same thing, sweeping the city and finding cool stuff. But to, in, to a point, I don't want to because I don't know what I would gain from the next... Well, i tell you what I'd gain. I'd gain preparation for when Miles Morales comes out on PC, and i do the same with that. So, so yeah, there is that. Um, I've played... And I just want to check I didn't review this, because it was right at the start of the break. Uh, I think I played Arcade Paradise. Oh, no, we missed that, didn't we? Because we were very kindly sent some uh, merch. I say we, I mean I. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you get to go to Croatia. I get a USB cassette player and the top of a skateboard. Um... It's really good. And I say that despite you getting the goodies. (laughs) Which, you know, really probably didn't work out for them in the way that it intended. It made me slightly, you know, slightly annoyed. Uh, But that was after the game had already generated good feelings. Uh, It's a game in which you play uh, set in the 90s, I think. And you play uh, the young, essentially inheritor of a laundromat. Uh, which has some arcade machines in your back. In the back, your dad uh, leaves your voicemails, calls you, and says, "Listen, don't worry about the arcade stuff. Keep the laundromat going." And you run the laundromat by doing very mundane tasks. People drop off baskets. You take the stuff out of the basket. You put it in the laundry uh, in the laundry machine. You take it out of there. Two minutes later, you take it out of there. Put it in the dryer. Two minutes after that, you take it out of the dryer uh, and you put it in the basket and then you give it them back and for every time you do that you earn $50 or, or some kind of amount of money depending on how quickly you do it and there are other tasks like clean up the garbage around the place prize some chewing gum each of these things have little mini games tiny micro games associated with them interactions throw away the garbage into the into the truck uh, into the skip around the side but while you're doing that you can set up an arcade in the back room and bring in arcade machines, which you can play. Of course, while you're playing it, time passes and people are getting a bit narked because you're not doing their laundry, so you have to balance that. But you can win uh, sort of in-game achievements and extra revenue by doing well at those arcade machines, so it's a compelling reason to do that. And some of the arcade machines are really good. Like, they're all pastiches of um, of old arcade games. Uh, so, But, you know, often... With a twist, there's a game that's very much like Pac-Man. I can't remember the title of any of them, but there's a game like Pac-Man, but kind of like GTA as well. So it's skinned like GTA. When you're caught by the cops, you get to run away for a bit. If you can find your car, then you can keep going again. I think it's actually genuinely better than Pac-Man. There's a version of Mr. Driller, which is straight up Mr. Driller. Very, very little difference at all. There's a nice shooter. There's a couple of good puzzle games as well. Uh, there's a Dance Dance Revolution game, and you just slowly build out your arcade, expand the different, expand the zone. I just really, really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the cycle, the core loop. I enjoyed the production values a lot. Uh, the only thing that annoyed me, which I think if I'd seen, I would not have played the game, were the trailers for it, which were live action, uh, live action trailers, not aimed at me, very much aimed at a completely different sort of almost ironic gaming audience. But the game itself is just produced with so much love for that era and is just beautiful and tight and, and fun. Uh, if you have any affection for classic arcade, arcade games at all, or you just kind of want to learn about them, uh, or learn about an alternative history at least of them, uh, then I totally recommend it. 7 out of 10. Anything else? I mean, like... Loads of games that I played for a few moments. I played a game called Backpack Hero, uh, where your object is to arrange items inside a backpack. I thought the 
idea behind it was great. I hated the aesthetics. Like, really, really, really disliked uh, the visuals around it. And so I just had to stop playing it. And that is... I don't know why this thing really, really got to me, but I did not like the look of it. I played Stray um, some more. I think I talked about money bags. I really thought Stray is very, very beautiful and boring game. Like, there is very, very little for you to do in it except for move between these environments and enjoy the scenery. Um, and I think there's some ma- missed, inter- <laughs> missed interactions around cat behaviour. But as a pitch, cyberpunk cat game, I'm not surprised that it owned the gaming market for a short period of time. Um, I, played I think that's, Al- what, we've got time- I think that's uh, what we've got time for. Steve. Okay, I'll talk about Alba next week. Oh, I can't wait till next week then, Steve. Hmm. Well. I wonder if you'll hate Alba <laughs> because I loved it. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll have to wait until then. All right, I can't wait. Uh, Simon, it's been really good to be back. Good to be back, Steve. Nice to see you. Sorry to hear about your house woes. Oh, it's fine. Um, next week, we will record the show live in front of an audience. So please, if you're listening now, get on Discord for 7pm or, you know, 6.45. Get there early. Build the anticipation. 7 o'clock. Give us a welcome. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, we'll have some audience interaction there also write us some letters and until then i guess until uh, then thank you goodbye for listening. goodbye goodbye <laughs>